Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. Come on inside the College Football Film Room alongside veteran scout coach and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Believe it or not, we are in week five of the college football season, Chris, as the calendar continues to move towards the end of 2019. Ended it amazing week five already? I mean, it was, we were talking about week zero coming up. It seems like <laughs> a few days ago and it's week five already. And yet, you know, as we learn more and more about these teams, there's still a lot of teams that when I look at and I look at the film grade and I say, you know, I mean, there's a certain way I code them and, and the colored ink and like, um, what? There's some teams that hadn't played, you know, enough sample size of good opponents to really know. We're starting to get to that point. There's still a couple of outlier games, but we're starting to get to the point where it's going to be good on good, and we're going to start to see the separation in each league and obviously around the country as we we had some, you know, statement games last week, and we'll have some each and every week from here on out. But, yeah, before you know it, we're, we're going to have a little bit more of a sample size to say, yeah, this is this is what I think this team is. This is what I think this team is not. Well, Chris, at the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like football, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sportsbook. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on and mybookie.ag is the best in the business it's where i play and it's where you should do join now and my bookie will double your first deposit if you use the promo code cfilm do the smart thing guys if you're gonna bet this football season bet with mybookie.ag and don't forget to activate the offer by using the promo code cfilm visit mybookie.ag today you play you win you get paid Well, the game of the week last week was Notre Dame against Georgia and the Irish holding their own uh, in a game which looked like in the fourth quarter they were not going to be in. There was there was an opportunity, Chris, and and I'm baffled, not just because I had Georgia with covering the spread and they didn't. But uh, that's a whole different story. But with a fourth and one after the review, Kirby Smart decides to kick a field goal to go up 13 points. In my opinion, and uh, Gary Danielson was with me on the broadcast because he was saying everything I was saying, it made no sense to kick a field goal there because if you go for the first down, it's fourth and inches, and you have DeAndre Swift and one of the best offensive line in, lines in football, you could potentially go up three scores, and there wasn't enough time left for three Irish possessions. But by kicking the field goal, it's the same thing as not getting the first down because it's still a two possession game. And we saw Notre Dame in fact did have two possessions and they had a chance to win the game or at least tie it on the, on their final possession. What did well, you make of that decision? Yeah, I agree with, of course, let's be fair, you know, that it is two possessions, but it's two touchdowns as opposed to a touchdown in the field goal, you know, so if you go up 13, you they've got to score twice on you. And at that, you know, certainly, thought Georgia's defense was playing great and uh, all game. And, and you, you feel like if you're up 13, they're not going to score two touchdowns. Or that's, that's the reason why he did it. Now, with that said, I'm still at that point and that moment, I'm going for it because I think I've got the advantage with my offense. Absolutely. Line. So I'm Absolutely. doing it. But, you know. And that whole drive, Chris, that whole drive, the Irish defense looked gassed. And DeAndre Swift was having his way with them. Well, he was. And – but again, that's that's hey, welcome to coaching. <clears throat> welcome to where I live. In. And, you know, it's like one of those things. If you go for it, you know, there would be maybe not you, but they'd be half a whole bunch of people saying you, you got to kick. Field. You know, I mean, it's just you know, people are are you know, look, he got criticized for going for a fake field goal, which wasn't really a. I didn't think it was a really good decision. Obviously, in the playoff game, and uh, you know, championship game that was, and and uh, in conference championship game, and and so. I, Look, you can't win for losing as a coach. But 
look, I mean, here's my thoughts in the game in that I think people are surprised that Georgia didn't win by more points. Here's mm-hmm. the thing that, about Georgia. They are a line of scrimmage team. So they're not going to explode on you, and they're not going to beat people by a lot of points unless it's a bad team, unless they just – because they're not going to, you know, boom, 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 go up and down the field. Now, they can run a two-minute offense pretty effectively. But, you know, unless they have to, they're going to wear you out. So they go in with the idea that what they do early is going to have a cumulative effect in the fourth quarter, as it did – I think you're right. I think they did wear down Notre Dame's defensive front. And yet, Notre Dame still had a chance. I think coming out of the game, if you're Kirby, you know, you probably need to be a little bit more aggressive in getting points. You know, you've got to be able to finish a little bit more. Um, But I got to tell you, this is a really good defense. It's a really good running game. And the quarterback can make plays. And the receivers – have grown up, and that's no longer a, oh, remember preseason? What are they going to do at receiver? There's no experience. My goodness. No, they're fine. I, I just think it's their style of play. They're, they're not going to – they may beat somebody up, but it may only be a 10-point lead, and, and that's a danger zone if you've got, you know, 12 minutes left to play. They're still going to get two more possessions, and, you know, their defense still has to be – and they will be strong. So – that's more of a product of style of play, but I would say going forward and maybe where some of the people, either Georgia fans or people evaluating Georgia saying, oh, they, they judge it by the, the, hey, the margin of victory, right? You know, if you beat Notre Dame by, you know, 20, that that's, means a lot more than if you beat them by 10. I get that. That's pure numbers. But in terms of how they were physically able to handle them, I mean, Notre Dame couldn't run the defense. I mean, Notre Dame didn't get a whole lot and that's a good quarterback and a good offense that didn't get much going, but I would say going forward and by mean going forward, not so much the upcoming schedule, but as it relates to perhaps Florida, Georgia, Alabama in the conference championship game, which if it comes to that and maybe in the national playoffs, They've got to get more out of their offense in terms of points. They got to finish more, and then I think run that four-minute offense and wear you down, so that that combination is going to be tough to beat. But you know, it's like anything else. You've got teams that score a lot of points and they score them in a hurry. Well, their defense is going to give up a lot because they're mm-hmm. on the field a lot more. If you're not on the field a lot and you're going to grind it and you're going to pound it, and you well, then you may not score as much. You know, and so, but I do think that game ended up got getting pretty close and it could have gotten away from Notre Dame because, you know, and not to me just because of not going for it, but you fumble the football deep and you're in. Well, again, if you're not going to have an offense that's really effective in the red zone, that's going to put a lot of points against good opponents, then a mistake that's made, a tip ball, a fumbled punt, all of a sudden brings the opponent back in because even when you, if you dominate people and it's 24 to 10, well then one mistake and it's 24, 17 and it's a one possession game, even though you dominated, you know, you still got work to do. So that I think is more a product of Georgia style. And it'll be interesting to see going forward, how they adjust to it. If at all. Yeah. What impressed me the most was the conditioning. And there was clear, was a clear difference because as Notre Dame was gassed in the fourth quarter, it seemed like Georgia was, wasn't winded at all. And whether it was uh, offensively or defensively, it just seemed like Georgia had better conditioning in the fourth quarter than Notre Dame. And that's going to serve them well as the season progresses, Chris. Yeah. Well, they got big, they got more numbers. So they're playing more guys. And I think that does have an effect. There, there's, there's no question they're built for that. They've got more numbers than Notre Dame. Notre Dame has really good players. They're a lot better than say Notre Dame was in 2012 when they just got blown off by Alabama. Uh, they, they're better. And, and Brian's done a good job. And, you know, I think Georgia's just deeper and stronger. And, but let me just say this. I do think Brian Kelly had a great game plan. I don't think Brian gets enough credit. Let's not perfect. Let's, hey, I, <laughs> Scott, there, there's some Notre Dame fans. Ah, that play calling. This, this, <laughs> typical fan. I mean, I thought it was a good game plan. Not perfect. Never is. But I thought he did a really good job. Now, the issue is, is Notre Dame out of it nationally? That's what everybody wants to talk about. How does this end? Who's in? Who's out? 
Uh, it's it's going to be very, very difficult, and, and a lot of things are going to have to tumble in front of them uh, before for Notre Dame to be in it because with one loss and not having the ability to win a conference championship game, um, it is a long shot, and, and a lot of bad things would have to happen to a lot of people in front of them for Notre Dame to get back in the picture because right now they would be out. Yeah, well, the one thing that that's all they can care about and all they can worry about is they got to win every game for the remainder of the season. Correct. So. That's step one, and then you never know what happens in front of them. But step one, and the most important one, is just win every game for the remainder of the season for the Irish. Uh, Another SEC team that was really impressive, Chris, is Auburn. Goes into Kyle Field. Bo Nix, now now, I'll be honest, I had question marks going into this game. I did not know how Bo Nix was going to treat his first true road atmosphere in college football because remember that first game was at a neutral site so it really there was a lot of Auburn fans there as well it really wasn't a true road game this was a tough test Kyle Field is one of the toughest places in the country to play with the 12th man and I didn't know how the true freshman was going to be able to handle it all that aside he handled it and handled it well yeah, and you know, it's interesting you say that because there's a lot of belief in that. But if you look at AM's record at home in big games, I mean, Big 12, SEC, they haven't done a very good job. But to your point, I, I think that's going to be a real tough – and I think it's, it is. And I, I know the atmosphere is great. As that program gets better and better, I think that is going to be a real um, pit to go in and try to play and win. I just think Auburn's better. They're, they're a mm-hmm. better line of scrimmage team. I think AM's defensive line is really good, but Auburn is just a lot better in terms of overall talent. AM, I'm a believer in Jimbo and AM and where they're headed. But I also was the guy that said that they're probably going to be seven and five this year because, uh, you know, we know that Alabama and Georgia and Clemson are better. But I think that Auburn and LSU have more talent. So those are five teams. If they win one of those games and go eight and four, in my mind, they're pulling an upset yeah. from a personnel standpoint. And, you know, I, I, I think people are going, oh, well, they're overrated. Well, they're overrated for the people that, that foolishly think they could win eight or nine or ten games. Or, excuse me, eight maybe is not out of the question. But people that think they're going to go ten and two on that schedule, are you kidding me? You go ten and two on that schedule – they should be an automatic selection into the playoffs because that that is strength of schedule that is second to none. And, and, and I just don't see that. I think their future is, you know, next couple of years, the schedule won't be as difficult. And I, look, they can't run the football. They've had injuries at running back. They're not real deep. And the offense is stagnant. Kellen Mond can't carry that offense. He never could. They got to get him involved more as a runner in their offense. And that's the problem that they had against Clemson and again against Auburn against good defenses where you can't run the football and the quarterback is, I mean, he's not a put your team on the back type of guy. No, you're, you're, you're not going to have success. And that's why they're not going into Baton Rouge and beating LSU. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, you know, of course, <laughs> unless it's 76, 74 again, like last year, I just don't see it happening. I, I think this AM team is still a bigger time work in progress. And I think as as it relates to how the season started, they've been hampered a little bit with injuries that they can't really overcome. Auburn, on the other hand, I don't have any question marks about Bo Nix and his ability to handle big moments. The issue is just how good can he be as a passer at this point? It's a mixed bag, but they're starting to run the football a little bit better. And if you can do that, they are going to win Got with their offense, excuse me, with their defense and their run game. And Bo Nix is going to get better and better and make plays for you. Now, can they score enough points to go into Baton Rouge in a few weeks and win? Are they going to score enough points to beat Auburn, uh, Florida or Florida? I mean, that's going to be real, real tough tests for them. Uh, but this Auburn team's really good and they are, I mean, their national championship caliber defensively. Um, I I think right now, if you you, at least for me, and again, not everybody's played the same type of schedule. If I'm looking at the top eight teams in the country, Auburn's right now one of four SEC teams that would be in that mix. Yes, I would agree with you. I I absolutely between LSU, Alabama, Georgia, and Auburn, all rightfully deserving to be in that top eight conversation, maybe even in the top six conversation, but that's, we'll put that off to a side for now Uh, from the positive, Chris, let's talk about the negative Michigan 
extreme, and I'm not t- trying to take away anything from Wisconsin. Michigan has been disappointing. This is not anything new. This is not an overreaction to just one loss. They have been disappointing all season long, and you have to start to wonder how hot is the seat now under Jim Harbaugh? You know, ironically, it's it's not that hot in this sense that. But should it be? Well, I mean, the fans certainly think so, and, and certainly he's not he's not done a good job. Let's just call it like it is. Um, now, I think the only issue is is Jim going to walk away, and and I don't. I think there's a possibility that he could walk away at the end of the year. Yet knowing him. You know, I could see him growing the frustration, growing and stepping aside. He won't get fired. He'll 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 walk away, and you know. But yet, I I see him also wanting to stick in and fixing it. Here's the thing. You know, I I I don't know how it's going to play out. It, it, in all honesty, I just kind of know how the Michigan folks view it and think. And the fans are different than the people that are going to make the decision because I do I do think the fans are just woefully frustrated. But think about it. There are a lot of good coaches, and and you know they could probably get one, but you know it's been a it's it's surprising that he's not had success. But I've gone on a couple of different platforms. I've studied this for a couple of years now, and there's one theme that runs through why Jim has had problems at Michigan, and that is he's he's not hired well on his offensive staff, and it's just Josh Gaddis is a perfect example. He takes a guy that was a receiver coach at Alabama that Nick Saban. He wasn't coming back. Mm-hmm. Now he didn't fire mm-hmm. him. He 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 let him go interview for a job. Nick will do that. You know he he won't. He'll he'll kind of basically tell a guy, you know, you know, be a good idea if you you know you look for another job. He'll <laughs> let him go and interview. And and Josh Gaddis is a great salesman, and he sold him on he was the reason behind the Alabama success of the passing game. And Harbaugh didn't do his homework because he certainly wasn't. And he was let go by Nick, pushed out the door by Nick because he wasn't a very good on-the-field coach. It's not about schemes, Scott. It's about the execution of any scheme that you want to run. Correct. They're not good at any of it. So it's not like, oh, boy, that scheme that, that you know, would look, people, I, I hear people going ballistic saying things like, well, Harbaugh's stuck in the old ages, and he can't. Uh, you can't win that way. He just got his ass kicked by the most ultimate Michigan old school team. team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that has nothing to do with it. Wisconsin. Does it? Then Ohio State with their speed kills them. They're they're pick your poison. Michigan's not good at anything right now, and defensively, they're not very good. And so they've got nothing to hang, nothing to hang their hat on. And so it's not about look, they've got some receivers. Their offensive line's not elite. They're not well coached. They don't come off the ball. The, the run game is not successful. So basically, you know, he's figured out now that Josh Gaddis doesn't know what he's doing. And now he's trying to get control of it and trying to figure out that's not Jim's strength. So I don't know how he, you know. People ask me, how do you fix it? Well, fixing it right now, the, the way you fix it is do a better job. That's what you get paid a lot of money as a head coach. Do a better job of of siphoning through candidates, making better hires, because because that, that's been a disaster on offense. I mean, just think about it. It's just all the guys that he's hired, it just hadn't quite worked. But during the season, I think what you got to do, Got to go back to basics and think, what can we do well? I know people say, well, nothing. Well, no, there's some things you can hang your hat on, and you got to build on it. You got Rutgers coming up. You got you got to find a way to kind of rebuild your team a little bit. The biggest concerning thing were two things. They had a week to prepare, and that's what they put together. And second, where was the fight? Where was the heart? Mm-hmm. Where? I mean, you saw when Dylan McCaffrey got hit. I mean, that was ugly. I mean, you know, it was ugly. It was dangerous. It was scary. Where was what normally happens when that happens? There's a fight. I mean, at least guys coming in. Mm-hmm. I didn't see anybody even walk to it. I mean, they were concerned about it. No fight. I mean, I mean, Wisconsin mugged them, and they didn't even sit there. They were like, "Go ahead, we don't want any trouble." You know, <laughs> leave, leave us alone. Here, I would you like my watch too? I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean it was. It's just, um, I that that doesn't 
that doesn't coincide with what Jim Harbaugh is. And I don't know. I, I don't, it, they're not simple answers to it. I've given my thoughts on, you know, some mistakes he's made. And that's led to, I think, some of the problems that he has that are substantial. With that said, I mean, let's look at, you know, kind of where they're headed. I think that they're I I never felt like they were a real threat against Ohio State. And I don't think they will be at the end of the year. Um, so I mean I, I I count them for two losses definitely, but I will say Iowa, Penn State, Notre Dame, and Michigan State. I mean, Scott, those are four games that could go either way. Right now, I don't see them going either way. I see them going against Notre uh, against um, Michigan. But you know, where's this season going to head? You know. In the eyes of them, they'll be disappointed losing Ohio State. But if they end up nine and three, what they're going to do is sell it as, "Hey, you know, they rallied." It's you know, look, we're nine and three. We started, yep. you know, I mean, um, we're playing in a big time bowl game because we have the name and the brand behind us. So hey, we still got to this big name bowl game. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, but and we can fix this. We and again, sometimes I'm mean, going to remind people, and people remind me, they were ready to run Dabo Sweeney out of Clemson too. Because, mm-hmm. you know, again, he not a great X's and O guy, and he hired and some things didn't work, and they were – I mean, remember Spurry was just whipping him every year when he was at South Carolina. You remember that? And the the old uh, state champ, got nice to win that state championship, you know. <laughs> and then, of course, now I'm not saying that – Well, that you bring in someone like Brent Venables, and it changes things. Well, you do that, and, and obviously you get the right, you know, guy, staff in place. Look, it's not – Look, it doesn't – I don't know what's going to happen. I can't see the future. What I'm telling you in, in in my world of trying to help as a consultant is this can be fixed, mm-hmm. okay? Don't ever think that because of what it is today, things can't be fixed. Or if things are going good, oh, there, no one's stopping it. No, no, no. It, it could go bad too. It can be fixed. Will it – I mean, look. You know, people have the t- well. If you don't win it this year, Urban's going. None of that stuff is that. That has little to do with anything. What it really has to do with you. Michigan's not doing a good job of being Michigan. They're not doing a good job, just from a development and a teaching standpoint that they should be doing. And that's really falls on Jim Harbaugh and his staff um, assembly. And people say, well, he's made a lot of change. Making changes is not getting better. It's how do you get it better? You don't get credit for effort. You know, if you did, you'd have a lot of guys who keep their jobs because they work really hard. It's just, to me, it's, it's trying to find a little bit of an identity to Michigan football and finding the right hires. And I don't know that he's going to stick around to do it. I don't think he's going to get fired, but let me just throw this out. What if it really craters? What if it's seven and five? Then what? Think, think about that. Yeah. I, then, I, then, I mean, does he walk mm-hmm. away? Does it become like, you know, somebody's, re- you know, he just he really walks away gonna... to save face, but he's really going to yeah. get fired. Yeah. You know, he's to save face. Or is that point? Do they, you know, change on him and say they owe him a lot of money? I'm not saying Michigan can't pay out the money. I'm just saying that's just not typically what Michigan likes to do. Um, we'll see. It's interesting. I said storyline of the summer. I wanted to see what this Michigan offense would look like. How would Jim handle it if it didn't work? Well, it ain't didn't take long, it didn't <laughs> take long to get that answer. Now the is is what is he gonna do? Can he fix it? I think it's it's fair to say that he completely failed that team and that staff that bye week, that open day. Because they were not prepared to play against Wisconsin. And I'm curious to see what they do. And no, beating Rutgers and Illinois uh, is not going, Indiana is not going to show that they've kind of turned things around. It's going to have to be about beating Iowa and beating Penn State and beating Notre Dame and beating Michigan State. You do that, which is all doable. It doesn't seem like it's doable now. There's the talent to do it. I don't know that they've got the organizational structure to do it. And Jim's probably going to have to become a little bit more involved and we'll see how that works. A couple more nuggets from uh, last week, Chris, before we get into a preview of week five, the pit special 
defeating UCF and saving us from the conversation about whether or not the Knights belong <laughs> in the playoff at the end of the year. But Pitt with a, a bounce back after their tough loss to Penn State a week earlier, they stun UCF with the Pitt special, their version of the Philly special. Well, it's a great play. Um, this Pitt team has shown a lot of fight. There's a lot of negativity. Um, the week before when Pat, Pat Narducci uh, went kicked the field goal instead of going for it, fourth down, it's Penn State. And, and you know, he's certainly showed the aggressive side this week. So um, it was a really good win for Pitt. Um, you know, this Pitt team's playing hard. And they are well coached. And I know, again, I know people, you know, went down on the play call against Penn State. They play Penn State very well. And I got to tell you, I don't know that unless there is no second best team in the ACC. But if you were to put one, I mean, why not put Pitt in that conversation? At least for me, when I watch him on tape, they're really good. I thought they would take a step back because they don't, um, you know, have the type of runner that they normally have that can. Mm-hmm. But you know what? They're they're physical, and they can match up, play hard with anybody. And I thought they did a really good job against a very explosive offense. We saw that Stanford could not handle them, um, and I realized it was that pit as opposed to in Orlando. But really good job, uh, not just a play call. I'm excited to see what they could do the rest of the way. Uh, good for Pat. Good for that pit team. And I got to tell you, Pickett's starting to really play well and becoming a, a really clutch quarterback for them. Um, you know, so really excited for all involved there at Pitt. Uh, speaking of comebacks, because UCF did come back early and, and and made that a game that was really exciting at the end with that Pitt special. A historic comeback, Chris, Pac-12 after dark action. So many people on the East Coast were well asleep when this one happened. UCLA comes back against Washington State in just the most ridiculous second half of football I've seen in a long time. I'm still baffled as to how UCLA pulled that one off, but it was touchdown after touchdown after touchdown, scoring every time they touched the football in what was a typical Pac-12 after dark madness type of game. Well, ridiculous is the perfect way to describe it because, I mean, it's just it's one of those things that shouldn't happen. Uh, it, it's not really good football when you look at it. At least it's my opinion and how I grew up playing it and coaching it. And um, this is the byproduct of what you have when, and I know, and and I love Mike Leach, and 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 I, I think what he does conceptually is great. And 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 taking a lot of those concepts are very very useful. But you know, using it in its its pure form where that's all he does and that's all he knows, this is what it leads to every now and then. Because what will happen is if you're not clicking, if you can't stay on the field, you can't pick up first downs, the other team gets another shot and another and another and another. You don't give up 32-point leads in in any scenario against anybody at any level. That's just bad football. And, but you get that. And, you know, you, with Mike, you take the good with the bad because he can go to a Texas Tech. He can go to a Washington State. He can make them relevant. He can be kind of quirky and get some attention. But you know what? He's also going to win some games and go to bowl games and going to do things at those places that most other people don't do very successfully. You know, he can do what he does, he knows what he knows. But you get this every now and then because there is no the off switch to what he can do. There is no, hey, we can throttle it down. We can run it. We can take the air out. Hey, look, we can't stop them, and we're struggling to catch it. We're struggling to get the ball off. So here's what we can do. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have it in a playbook. He's just, no, this is what we do. That It's just, it's it's the equivalent, if you think about it, of the guy that gets criticized for hey, just running on first down, running on second down, running on third down, and punt. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, you know, hey, you know well, I can't down. understand. You know, he just run on a brick wall. People get frustrated with that. Well, you know, I get frustrated with this, too. When you can't have an element of a four-minute offense into what you do, then your offense is, I think, gimmicky. 
and I think less than championship level. And I realize you can't win championships at Texas Tech and Washington State. You can't. I get that. That's not the point. But it's also the reason why he would not be successful, in my opinion, if he went to a big-time program. A, he's not a good recruiter. He would not get the elite type of players. And his system, even with elite type of players, would lead to this type of result. Yep. And if you blow a 30-point lead at Washington State, you know, and, and I'm one of the six people in the country that watched it with the dumb ass that watched it live. Um, you know, it's one thing. But if you do that at a big-time program, at an Oklahoma, at a, at a Texas, at an SEC school, and that'll get you fired. I mean, yeah. you know, that that's just – that's – I'm going off on a tangent, and I don't mean to make it about Mike, but but that's that's one of the issues. It's a game they shouldn't have lost. Credit Chip Kelly. His guys kept fighting. But they they had opportunities and opportunity. – hey, that doesn't work. I mean, eventually, Scott, you're doing it against air. They were not moving off the snaps. They were dead. At that point, you don't need to be good on offense. You just need to you just need to center the ball and you're gonna score. Mm-hmm. At what point is that good football? That that's where it becomes not good football in my mind. And that happens. It doesn't happen a lot, but it's one of those things that should never happen the way it happened. But it was it was goofy. It was ridiculous. That's the best way to describe it. That's very good. Good 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 way to just end that conversation. As we move on to our week five preview, Chris, I want to start with uh Friday night's game, Penn State against Maryland. You know, Maryland lit everyone on fire the first two weeks of the season, and and then they lose, and all of a sudden they're out of the rankings and people are kind of just uh sour on them again, or maybe not sour, but they're not as high on them as they were when they were scoring 60 points a game in the first two weeks of the season and before they lost uh, at Temple. This is still a good football team. Mike Loxley has still put together a very exciting football team. They're home against a Penn State team that struggled against Pitt, but now we saw what Pitt did to uh, UCF, and maybe as we just talked about Pitt, they're a little better than what we thought. How do you see this one playing out? Because I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Penn State goes in there and blows the doors off of Maryland. First of all, um, I'm pretty sure that this is the case unless they change. It's going to be interesting. They're canceling class Friday in College Park, uh, which is uh, – it's going to be interesting to see how they do this now because Big Ten – and a lot of colleges are having these games on Friday. Some campuses can't can't have all the people come in and park and still have, you know, have regular class. So they're canceling class. So this is a pretty big deal. Um, it would have been a bigger deal had they not run into Temple, as you alluded to. Um Look, I think Maryland is good. It, it, folks, if you haven't seen Anthony McFarland Jr., he's one of the best backs in the country, and you get a chance to see him in a spotlight game, which I don't know how many Maryland games out there you you watch out there, folks. So it's a great opportunity. It's one of the good things about the Friday night games and the Thursday night games for college football at least. We can debate the effect on high school, but it really does open up exposure for maybe you know teams and programs you don't watch a lot out there. So it's really good, and I, I'm curious to see how good they are. Look, I mean, they scored a bunch of points, and when you score 70 points, 60 points, that's pretty good. But they got punched in the mouth by Temple, a really physical defensive front. And so I'm very curious. I'm with you. I think they're good. I don't know how good. I mean, I, I think they're going to have to do it and score points in Big Ten play to see how good they are. So – I think there's a little bit of question mark now as to how good this Maryland team is. And I think this is a statement game for Mike. And I'm going to say this, they recruit a lot against one another. And you got two guys who's ace in the hole as head coaches or recruiters. And this is big for if Maryland in particular can win it, then they can say, Hey, no need to go to state college. You can stay closer to home. You're in the Beltway, you know, that's Penn State area. Now it's it's look, it's Maryland area. Here's what we're building. And by the way, they've got this under they took old Coalfield House and just what they did that they're they're building a tremendous, you know, facility there with that Under Armour money and, and whatnot. And and the mm-hmm. and, you know, part of the Big Ten money, which they don't not getting all of it. So look, Penn State has been really big play oriented. 
Maryland makes some big plays. Neither one of these teams have been good on third down offensively. That's going to be key. Who can stay on the field, make some big plays? Penn State's got the superior talent here. They should be able to win the game on the road. Um, but Penn State doesn't always play a clean game. Sometimes they play very sloppy. We'll see how this plays out. It should be a lot of fun, no doubt. How let's another game on Friday night, Chris. Number fifteen, Cal hosts Arizona State. Uh, for, put, putting this game aside, just how good is this Cal team? Uh, they're good. They're not. You know, I hear this. Well, they're still in the playoff playoff hunt, folks. They're not in the playoff hunt. Okay, you know, it's early in the season, so somebody's got to be unbeaten. It was a good win to beat Washington in Seattle in that, speaking of a late-ending game with all the delays, and I'm not saying that Washington would have won it. If, if, I'm just saying, here's what I – this Cal team is better offensively than I thought they would be. They can run it, but the quarterback is starting to make some plays for them. They're a really good defense. No, this is a good team, and, and I don't I, – I think I like their chances at home against – Arizona State, I don't think this Arizona State team has enough offense. I think Cal can get it done. It's a good team to answer your question. It's not as good as, say, Utah. You know, they're, 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 they're just they're – not, they're not good enough to sustain it throughout the course of the year. Uh, but they're good. I mean, I, I think they, they're – you know, if you look at them, I, I still see, um, you know, you got to go to Oregon. That's not a good matchup for them. At Utah is not a good matchup. Washington State, USC. I, I mean, I still think there's probably going to be two. There are going to be three losses, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely two, um, it, which is a phenomenal season. Justin Wilcock has done a good job. But um, I don't see them going 10-2. and two. I think 9-3, and 8-4. Uh, and four, are you know more likely um, and and I think at this stage because they beat Washington I think nine and three is definitely in play that's a good season that's not they they fit into the category of Pac-12 is better than most people think they've got a lot of good teams there's just not a really good team an elite team Oregon's the closest thing to that USC's got the talent to be that but they're too inconsistent the, the Pac-12 doesn't have a national playoff caliber team. That's why people are down on the league. But the league is pretty good. They've got some pretty good teams, and they've got some pretty good coaches. And Cal's one of them, uh, and I think they're the biggest surprise in the North, and mainly because they're getting more out of their offense than most thought, including me. Alabama hosts Ole Miss on Saturday, Chris, and it's a 37.5-point spread. It's one of the largest, if not the largest, SEC spreads that we've seen in years. Uh, what is it about this Ole Miss team that they just won't even be close in this game? Well, you know, I think it, it has everything to do with Alabama. I think that Ole Miss has gotten a little better. They lost a tough one to the aforementioned Cal Bears, which, by the way, that's a really good win for them to go and play at 9 a.m. body clockwise and beat Ole Miss. I know there was a controversial call there; should have reviewed yep. it. But you know they still got to make two. If you know, I, I don't. They played very well and, and deserve their win. Um, Ole Miss has gotten better, but but I think they're they're if you're ranking them, they're they're still the the 11th team in the SEC. Uh, they're just. They've got some players they don't have. They do not match up. They've improved defensively, but they just don't match up against the speed, the playmaking ability at Alabama. That's going to be the issue. And, you know, we're talking about tempo and scoring points. That's going to be the problem for anybody on Alabama's schedule is they're going to score points. I mean, if you get out of the first quarter and they haven't scored 21 points, You've done something. You know what I mean? You've you've you're hanging in there if you can hold them to 14 or 17. Like, hey, whoa. You know, I just it's a young defense, but it's still tough to run again. And right now, um Burrell's got a little banged up. I, I just don't think that Ole Miss has enough. Uh that that's a pretty high spread. I don't I don't know, you know, if if they'll win it by more than 30 points or less than 30 they'll win it going away this is a long way away from when Ole Miss was competing against Alabama and pulling yeah. a couple of upsets this is not even a even a thought no one I mean there, there's that's that's an impossibility you know in in a in, in a in a world of nothing is impossible in football 
you know, Alabama could turn it over a bunch and still play poorly. And the only thing would be the margin of victory and maybe having to win it in the fourth quarter. That would be the only thing. I think Ole Miss will play hard. They'll play well by their standards, but I think they'll be beaten and beaten decisively. A couple of top 25 matchups. Notre Dame coming off that loss to Georgia hosts Virginia, who has climbed all the way to 18th in the rankings, Chris. Yeah, and boy, um, you know, I don't know. Watching them last week, I'm like, holy mackerel. Old Dominion beating them, beating them pretty well. I mean, they did a good job covering West Virginia's wideouts, um, and they just couldn't get unleashed on them. Then they had like, I think, 28 unanswered points and came back, took care of business. Um, I, 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 People ask me who's the second best team in the ACC. I think we're going to find it this week. It's it's an older day. So, okay, so who's, <laughs> who's, who's the second best team in the ACC? It's I don't know. I mean, I don't think there is. I mean, I, I think Virginia's well coached. Miami's not getting it done. You know, it's just that North Carolina's come back to earth. I, I, there's, you know, we talked about Pitt. It may be Pitt. The The reality is there's not a – it's a one, and, and everybody else starts at about like five or six. And I, I just think Virginia might be the team that could be consistent week in and week out protect the football. But, man, they made some mistakes last week. They turned the football over, didn't do a very good job. They can't do this. Uh, I, I think Notre Dame's a better team and probably bounces back, even though they left a lot at Stanford Stadium. I think they're the better team here. Yeah, and we talked a lot about uh, Virginia quarterback Bryce Perkins before the yes. season started, but uh, this Notre Dame defense is going to be unlike anything he's seen so far this season. So uh, going to be a big test for them. I tell you what, real, real quick, I know you're probably going to get to it, but in that same time slot, what may be the game of the weekend is in the Pac-12, USC and Washington. Um, that's where I was going next. Okay. That's yeah, where you I was know, going and, next. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, you know, so I'll let you lead into that because that that is uh, that's really intriguing. Well, it was an impressive performance from USC, which is what we expected to see when, you know, they're coming off a loss against BYU and, you know, a couple of tough decisions there. And 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 obviously people are questioning Clay Helton's future with everything going on with uh, the, the athletic director and president and everything going on at USC. But here they are. They welcome in a top 10 ranked opponent into the Coliseum. And it's not Keaton Slovis. It's another quarterback. It's Fink who's doing the work. Three touchdown passes for the Trojans. And uh, they they come up with a big victory against Utah. And now they find themselves back into the rankings, Chris, going uh, into Washington to play against the team that I think is probably the best coached in the conference with, in my opinion, the best quarterback uh, besides Justin Herbert uh, in the conference and Jacob Eason. I think this is a really intriguing game. Yeah, well, if, if Eason can start to settle down and become more consistent, that could take Washington to the, to the next level. And despite the fact that they lost that game to Cal, they could be, could be, if if his play is what it can be, which it hasn't been, um, yeah, they could be the team to beat. And I still think that the game of the year is going to be Washington, Oregon. Uh, yes. But be that as it may, listen, this USC team is capable. That's the frustrating part is you watch them, and I'm not surprised that they played Utah, played them well, and beat them. That was doable. You know, you just don't know what you're going to get out of USC because as good as they can be, they could come out, and I could tell you, they're undercoached consistently, and, I, you know, we'll see what happens this week. Got Notre Dame. You know that they could beat anybody but they could also go on the road on Friday night and lose at Colorado or lose at Arizona state. I mean, it just, it's because they don't play smart football and they're very up and down. And I know, and somebody made a point to me, but boy, those kids played hard for Clay Helton. They did. And you know, you know, the storyline in that game, right? Fox was there. Yep. Urban Meyer was there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Bush and Leonard was there. You know, everything <laughs> was, you know, when Swan is fired and it's like, you know, I don't know if there, there was, I didn't hear it, but you know, a poor performance. The, the few people that showed up would have been that, you know, uh, we want urban or something mm-hmm, along, you, mm-hmm. you know, that was coming. And those kids knew that Did those kids know. And they played hard. They played well. They played smarter than Utah. 
why the hell is that, that not more consistent? Because they will show up at any given week and be the dumbest football team in the Pac-12. <laughs> and, and, and you think to yourself, what? I mean, I'm telling you, that, that's where you, it gets a little bit frustrating and say, you know, is this job? That's where people who say, is this job too big for Clay Helton? That's why they say it is you're not, you can't be as up and down. You're USC and they should be elite and they're not elite. They're elite at for stretches in games and in certain weeks, but, but they're not, they've got some good talent. And, and I mean, everything on their staff. And, and I say this love Clancy Pendergrass work with them before. But his defenses are not very sound. Boy, he can junk up a defense and get it, get it really matched up against an opponent on a given week. But man, they can get torched the next week. I can tell you the thing that jumped out at me, Scott, was Utah. I mean, you mentioned Washington is, is bad. Utah may be as along with Washington the best coach team in that league. They played man-to-man against those USC receivers, and I can't understand how they came up with that game plan because against those receivers, I would have bet anything. I don't, I don't gamble. I leave that to you. I would have taken the bet on, you know, percentage of zone defense, like the over. <laughs> Give me over, Scott. That, that I cannot believe they played as much man against those receivers, and they that was the plan to play man and they got beat and beat and they didn't adjust. I I'm very surprised for a team that's well coached. They were, they were out coached. They, they mm-hmm. didn't do a very good job and they made mistakes and in poor Utah, they will be labeled again as well. You can't handle the big moment. Well, you know what? That that's going to kill you because at the end you got to be unbeaten. You're not going to be unbeaten even if you bounce back and win the South, which is still in the cards for Utah, and maybe that's good enough for them. Maybe you go to the conference championship, whatever. You know, and and I didn't see Utah as a national playoff team, Scott, but the chances lied in them being unbeaten. And to me, if there were the better quote-unquote team, you think they would have played smarter and at least given themselves the best chance. But, so we move on and we see – we're both lead. Anything stand out to you in the primetime schedule? I mean, the one game that I'm looking at is Auburn, Mississippi State, and just wondering, uh, you know, coming off a big victory at Texas A&M, you don't want to have a let up or, or a letdown if you're Auburn, especially coming home. So that's really the one game that I'm looking at in that primetime schedule because nothing else really tickles my fancy out of that primetime schedule, Chris. Yeah, Mississippi State always plays Auburn very well. Home or on the way, um, they're going to be aggressive. That's interesting. I think it's not a big game, maybe not exciting folks, maybe all of us that's monitoring six games at one, watch it, but <laughs> Kentucky, South Carolina is pretty big for South Carolina. It's pretty big for Will Muschamp. I'm not saying that they're going to run him, but he can't be getting blown out by Missouri and then coming back at home and losing to Kentucky when Kentucky's struggling at the quarterback position. That can't happen. Um I'm curious to see what Nebraska can do offensively against Ohio State. That's all in the prime time. I tell you one that's a little intriguing to me earlier is Minnesota-Purdue in the Big Ten. Um, That's in the same window as USC, Washington, Virginia, Notre Dame. So I don't know how many eyeballs there, but that's intriguing a little bit different styles. Um, And then, you know, late night, we just talked about Washington State coming off that date, and we just talked about Utah. That matchup's kind of interesting at night to see kind of where they are. And then, you know, UCLA, Arizona. I mean, if UCLA goes on the road, break up the Bruins. I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't know what, you know, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. I think Arizona's a little better personnel wise, a little bit more experienced, like their linebackers, their defense, but in there at home. But yeah, no, it's, it's, um, I think there's some good matchups, but, you know, it's, it's maybe not the elite matchups. But you know what, Scott? I mean, last week, we had the elite matchups, but, you know, unless you're just wanting to pull for one team, which, you know, you and I, we're watching games. We like games. We study the game. You know, you got to look at Wisconsin and Michigan in big game and kind of be disappointed in that it wasn't a very good game. You know what I mean? And so sometimes you have the big games and they're just not real exciting. And we had some of that last week. This week, okay, not real big. 
these are the weeks you got to be careful because something's going to happen to somebody that we don't expect, and it's going to have a real impact. So, you know, like, for example, can Nebraska do something? Can can Nebraska pull it all together? They've got good receivers. They've got good quarterback. Is this Ohio State team different? Are they going to have the Iowa-Purdue stub-their-toe game this year? I don't think they will. I think they'll look a little different. they got a little different look to them. And Nebraska's made too many mistakes. But if Nebraska puts it all together, this could get interesting in Lincoln. And, you know, I'm not selling it as that because I really don't believe it. But you could see where I'm going with it that, you know, would I be shocked over my years of watching college football if everybody's tweeting about, hey, Nebraska and Iowa State's a three-point game with four minutes left. You know those type of things happen. Will it happen? I don't think so. But it's one of the things I've got my eye out on in the in the uh, the nighttime window. And certainly one of the things you're going to be covering on LandryFootball.com. Full film room previews and recaps of every game broken down by conference, Chris. Absolutely. Really excited, obviously, this time of year with all the games. So we break the games down. We put them by conference so you can easily find them. And so you can go in and look if you're a Pac-12 fan and you want to want to learn more about the Cal Bears or, or you just you're not a fan of them. You just want to you go pack read all the what happened in the game, why it happened, the takeaways, um, the, the, the evaluation, the game balls, who graded out the best in the conference each week in terms of their play. Got all that for you by conference. Then we got um, uh, obviously uh, all the previews of all the games where we kind of take it down inside the film room, tell you a little bit about the matchups again, by conference. And we do some other features as well with some of the bigger matchups, bigger teams, what's going on. And, uh, certainly a lot of podcasts and we do the same for the NFL. So if you're a college fan, you're an NFL fan, you can become a more learned fan, enjoy the game more, come inside the film room with us. Let us be your tour guide. Uh, and give you a view of the game that'll make your in, uh, viewing enjoyment that much better, that much more uh, exciting. And, you know, whether you're into the fantasy stuff, I know they do that in college too, and the, the betting stuff, or you just like the game. If you like football, you love LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of our 50% discount as well. Uh, that's a good deal. And catch all the free podcasts available every single day on LandryFootball.com, including this College Football Film Room podcast and the Pro Football Film Room podcast. And you can subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts from. Be sure to follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball. Follow me at Scott's on Air. Enjoy week five, and we'll recap again next week. Chris, I'll talk to you then. Hey, look forward to you, buddy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.